podcast. Today I wanted to talk about isometric training. Uh, To start out though, I wanted to mention that isometric training and a lot of the different training implements that I'm going to talk about, I would recommend more for uh, advanced trainees, someone who is at a, 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 a greater training age and has gone through years of base strength training and proper rate of force development training before tapping into a lot of the isometric style training. Um, you know, I, I definitely believe in training ages and how important it is to have something like uh, a good base strength and mastering the movements of the squat, the press, or the press, the pull, whatever the basic movements of lifting that you can do are, getting stronger in those first, and then of course increasing rate of force development through dynamic lifting, velocity-based training, things of that nature, and then graduating into some of these more advanced concepts like post-activation potentiation. Um, with isometric training, it's something that I learned from Cal Dietz, and I, I trained a lot in uh, with uh, a Cal Dietz program for a while uh, back when I was playing uh, professional baseball and pursuing that route. And I noticed I noticed a lot of gains really, uh, really quickly, and in in terms of health and a lot of different areas. And I felt like the I had a good base strength to start, and I was okay at rate of force development, but I got better at those areas, and I got better at throwing velocity and exit velocity, uh, I felt, because of the style of training I was doing at the time. Um, And there's other great, much, much smarter people in in terms of isometric training. If you're looking for anybody uh, uh, that wants to talk about... um, you know, post-activation potentiation and, and just general isometrics benefits, I would look at Max Schmarzo's most recent handbook uh, on isometric training. It's really, really good. I highly recommend it. Um, in terms of pails and rails and more from like the mobility aspect, I recommend uh, Frank Duffy. He works out of Eric Cressy's facility. He's really good. He gets a lot of stuff from, uh, uh, I believe it's Dr. Andre Espino, I believe is how you say the name. Um, he's he's big into kin stretch, pails and rails, and uh, things of that nature. So just a quick shout out before I get started. Okay, so to get started here, uh, one of the things I get asked about most, and I post on quite a bit on social media, is post-activation potentiation. So basically, post-activation potentiation can be done in a lot of different ways. It's a really advanced sounding concept, but I think it's something that we've all felt before in that that contrast between one movement and another movement. Um, Basically what happens is neural drive is increased through doing an initial movement, and then that secondary movement comes around and and is usually done really efficiently and really explosively. So an example of this uh, would be something like, uh, that that we've all felt is something like having a donut on the bat, swinging it 5, 10, 15 times, and then when you take that donut off, 
that bat feels super light and you swing it really fast. That's basic contrast method right there. You can do this in the weight room, going from something like a heavier squat to a lighter speed squat, or from a speed deadlift to a jump. But it can also work in the reverse fashion, and I do this quite a bit with deadlifting, where you go from something like an explosive dynamic movement like a jump, do a few jumps, and then trap our deadlift. Um, do a few medicine ball chest passes, and then bench press. Something with a similar movement pattern in which neural drive is increased. Motor unit uh, recruitment is increased through the initial movement, and then that secondary movement, those motor units become more responsive, and you just absolutely destroy that second movement. That works really, really well with athletes, and, and I've noticed great improvements with my own training. However, it doesn't always have to be you know, with, with concentric movements. You can go from an isometric to a dynamic movement. Um, one of these uh, methods that I've done most recently is uh, a rear foot elevated split squat hold where I'm holding the trap bar with my rear foot elevated and I'm holding it at a, an isometric position as hard as I can, pulling, 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 and after five, six, seven seconds, I'll release the bar and then I will jump from that position. So essentially it's a rear foot elevated split squat jump. When I first started doing this movement, I absolutely sucked at it. I could not jump more than an inch or two off the ground. I was really uncoordinated with the landing of it and everything. But over a month of, of training in this fashion, I'm jumping about three, four inches higher. I can jump with 10 pound plates in my hands, no problem. I'm landing really coordinated and, and, and much the, the movement is much better and it makes sense as to why. Increased neural drive is the, the key to all explosive movements. It's increased, uh, it's, it's the key to increasing motor control within those movements, which is another factor of getting better at the movements themselves. And, and basically, if you can increase your neural output, your motor neuron activity for a, a specific movement pattern, you're going to be better at it. This is the reason why um, there's some athletes that can maybe not be extremely strong. You know, think about the MLB, a guy like Chris Sale probably doesn't deadlift 500 pounds, but he is still extremely explosive and extremely fast. I would say that his nervous system is much more advanced than 99% of, of any MLB player, simply because it the strength may not be there. The absolute strength may not be there, but the movement is still really, really, uh, the, the movement patterns that he has are more explosive and more efficient than most people that play the game. So take that into consideration when you're training. I know that some of that may be due to genetics. Some of it may be due to that he's just been doing it his whole life and that helps a lot. Um, but I also think that it is something that you can train in the weight room um, so, what is this guy doing? Go. Anyway, uh, on to the next point. The next thing I wanted to talk about with isometric benefits is, uh, the benefit of being stronger at a specific joint angle. Now, a lot of people 
understand this and they often will pass off isometrics because of it in saying that, well, it only gets you stronger at this specific angle, not necessarily through the entire movement. And though that may be true for the most part, you have to understand how important specific joint angles are. Um, Think about basically every dynamic movement. Uh, You have the eccentric portion, the amortization phase, which is the reversal of that counter movement, and then the concentric movement. You know, think about a vertical jump, for instance. You have the counter movement, the eccentric phase, the reversal phase, which is a very short isometric portion of the movement. So, and then you have the concentric movement, which is the actual jump that we measure. The more efficient you can get in that amortization phase, the shorter and stronger you are, the, str- the shorter you can make that phase comes about from being stronger at that specific joint angle. So when we're training isometrically at that joint angle, which would be like somewhere around a quarter squat position, that is really going to be beneficial for jumping because you're getting better at that amortization phase. Um, And getting stronger at a specific joint angle can also uh, be beneficial in uh, in like getting stronger at an end range of motion or an extremely lengthened position. I've been doing a lot of pails and rails Um, which is essentially you're holding an isometric position and then you release and you you try to go in the reverse of that position. It's a bit difficult to explain via a voice-only podcast, but if you just look up Pals and Rails on on, Google, Instagram, whatever, you'll know what I'm talking about here. But I've been doing a lot of uh, Pals and Rails at... um, at an externally rotated position of my shoulder, which is a position that many baseball players are weak in. And you can find a lot of different positions that you are most, that you're weakest in, that maybe you are more vulnerable to injury in that position. And performing isometric contractions in those lengthened states really can help greatly with injury prevention and I think in performance from the standpoint that you are no longer weak in that position. Um, And and I I really do think that it's beneficial uh, to take that into account. (coughs) (coughs) Sorry about that. I'm battling a cold today, if you couldn't tell. Okay, so next point I want to talk about is the benefit of tendon stiffening. So think about the way your core works in a throw or in a swing. The core doesn't necessarily actively develop force, but it helps with the transfer of force, the transfer of energy. Tendon stiffening works in a similar fashion in that if you have a more stiff tendon, it's going to more efficiently transfer energy through a dynamic movement. Um, And if and well, and the, the reason I'm talking about this is certainly tendon stiffening can come about from regular old concentric training, but it's been shown via studies to come about more so from isometric training. So if you do something like an isometric 
deadlift hold where you're holding at the bottom of position in a deadlift um, or isometric uh, squat hold like we were talking about before, your tendons become stiffer and therefore the energy transfer when you're trying to jump or squat or whatever, it's, it's the energy transfer is going to be more efficient. Therefore, you're going to potentially... Uh, have a greater rate of force development. Now, granted, like I'm, like I was saying before, this isn't actively going to make uh, the rate of force development better, but it's going to allow for the energy transfer to be better, which can potentially help uh, help with uh, rate of force development and power and, and things of that nature. And, and this ties back into what I said at the, the first portion of the podcast where I do think that you have to first be strong and you have to be really good at, at rate of force development and power uh, exercises first before really trying to tap into this isometric style of training. Okay, so I've talked about the benefits of isometric training um, but I haven't really tapped too much into how, go, how to go about doing it. So I talked about the pails and rails. Um, it's really difficult to talk and, and really explain it well via podcast. I just recommend checking out uh, Dr. Andre Espino's work or Frank Duffy or Kin Stretch. Those really do talk well about pails and rails. Um, to, uh, and I, I talked about Max Schmarzo's work. But some, some exercises that I recommend doing, uh, first of all, is anything where you are holding at a maximal effort isometrically. So the bottom position of a press, you can do this by pressing into a, a, an immovable rack. You can also set up the bar on pins and have a weight that is too heavy that you can press um, you can go deadlift. You can set up a a bar that is too heavy to move. And I've actually seen athletes who will set up something that is slightly higher than their one rep max. And because they're pulling with the intention to pull as hard as possible, they actually wind up pulling the weight and they get a new PR because of it. I've seen it happen. It's pretty cool. But anytime that you can take a bar... And because of straps, the rack, or an immovable weight, you're pulling it or pushing it as hard as possible, you're going to gain some sort of an isometric uh, effect from it and and a positive training effect because of it. Um, You can train at different joint angles, setting up a quarter squat, a full squat, a bottom position squat, or an ass to grass squat. You can get stronger at all those positions isometrically where you are, are pushing as hard as you can. You can also hold a certain position. I like doing this more with athletes who are experiencing pain or, or injuries. This is a great movement to get stronger at certain positions, simply holding a split squat position. It's really beneficial for those, those types of athletes. Um, and then of course you can pair up those maximal effort isometric movements with a concentric or a dynamic movement. Um, yeah, so one way that I did this uh, the other day, I PR'd on a no belt deadlift uh, on the trap bar. I set up a strap underneath my feet 
and I pulled the strap as hard as I could for three to four seconds. And then right away after I released the strap, I pulled a, I pulled the, the handles on the deadlift and I wound up with a new PR and it was, it was a really cool effect. Um, of course you can go with isometrically holding a band press or a barbell bench press position and then switching immediately to a medicine ball chest pass or releasing the barbell. This is one that I've done quite a bit, but you need a partner to do this. You can have a partner hold down the bench press and you're going as fast as possible or you're trying to go as fast as possible and then when the partner releases the barbell in almost like a reverse spotter's position, after he releases it, you bench it as fast as possible. So a isometric to concentric speed bench press works really, really well with athletes. I learned that one from Cal Dietz. There's a lot of different ways you can go about training isometrically. Um, you can train holding a position for eight to 10 seconds. You can hold a position for three, two to three second bouts, take a short rest and then do it again. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to do it. I recommend experimenting with it. That's the thing that I, the common theme with my training is just experiment with movements um, and try to see what works and what doesn't work. Um, you know, I highly, highly recommend that in your own training and see what works and apply it to athletes that you train. Um, so yeah, uh, best of luck with isometric training. If you uh, have any questions about it, feel free to DM me. I highly recommend, again, I highly recommend Max Schmarzo's uh, most recent, it was Max Schmarzo and Matt Van Dyke actually who wrote the book, uh, their isometrics uh, training manual. It's really, really good. I highly recommend it. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, see you around. Thanks.